This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. And we're on. I'm here with Bradley, whose last name will remain anonymous. Um, I kind of like it. I like the intrigue. And my new friend, David Stagliano. You guys ever watch uh, Dukes of Hazard? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Do you remember how once in a while Roscoe would would uh, set up a speed trap? Oh, yeah. And he would get uh, he would get country music star. Uh, he, he would fabricate charges against country music stars that were coming through the area. Yeah. And then, and he would bring them to the boar's nest and let them off if they agreed to do a concert. Do you remember that? I do remember that? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's kind of reminiscent of where we are tonight. You guys both reached out to me. Kind of spontaneously, <laughs> the three of us have never met, but here we are, sitting around my kitchen table, drinking some beer from the local brewery here in Mile City, uh, Odium. Check it out. That's probably the closest thing I'll do to a product endorsement ever on this podcast. Uh, and uh, trying to make some sense and do our part to for the probably futile in a futile attempt to save the future of publicly accessible hunting. I'm, I'm so glad to have you guys here. I don't have a I don't have a, a rigid agenda, but I wanted to start out for what we're to, for where to take this. But I just wanted to start out by 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 getting a sense of your history. So, David, you want to go first? Sure, Matt. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I've been in Montana since uh, about 2003, and I came here as a, a aquatic ecologist, which uh, means I study the ecology of rivers and streams in Montana. I've been everywhere from the Yak to the El Zeta, and everywhere in between. Um, just uh, benthic organisms or fish and benthic organisms? or I do it all, Matt. I'm only asking that question because <laughs> I wanted to say benthic. Yeah. Uh, which, that's a a, a, a bottom-dwelling organism, right? Is it is. Yeah, there are any uh, critter that's associated with the bottom of the stream or the lake that you're fishing. Right. Uh, yep. Mayflies, stoneflies, midges, they're all benthic organisms. And you also work on fish. And I also work on fish. And yep. it's it's mainly monitoring work, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, sites that we've been revisiting over the years, um, just keeping tabs on populations of usually non-game. I'm a non-game kind of person. So you work for Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, right? Well, we do a lot of contract work with them, but I, I have my own business, Montana Biological oh, Survey. Oh, 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 okay. So okay. We, were, we were just down on the powder doing sturgeon chub work, which is a little minnow. That kind of looks like a mini sturgeon, and they're currently a species of concern, and they're actually a candidate species. So, Fish Fish and Wildlife Service is currently looking at them, uh, maybe as a threatened and endangered, go on a T and E list. So, we're trying to get more population data to keep them off that list. Uh huh. And that and that this 
work you're doing this week is that contract work with FWP? It is. Okay. Yep. And uh, yeah, I do a lot of contract work being an environmental consultant, and sometimes I work for the devil, and sometimes I work for the good guys. Right. And yep. <laughs> oh, so when, when it's the when it's Satan, it would be trying to get baseline data in advance of some kind of disturbance. Exactly. Yeah, so, coal mines. So you're a mercenary. Sure, sure. <laughs> in a good way, though. In a good way, though. Yeah. Right. I'm right. just, I'm, I'm, science, I'm a science-based guy. You know, we're just collecting data. There's no, you know, there's no agenda on my part. We just present data. Data yeah. is data's truth, and science is truth. There's yeah. no opinions. You just present it. That's my day job as well. Yep. And as, as a research scientist, so... That's and I and I and I uh, I think it's just refreshing to hear somebody say that because you know there's, there's sometimes science gets infected with people's agenda and it sounds like you take that pretty seriously that Very it's seriously. just about yep. generating facts and that, that's the way that's the way I like to go about what I do as well I guess if you're not doing it that way it's not really science but true. Uh, so let's do it in stages. That's your that's your work life. Let's get Bradley's work life, and then then we'll move into the to some hunting stuff. So my name is Bradley, and I am from Arkansas, Wyoming transplant. I moved out a couple of years ago. Um, my wife is in law school there at the University of Wyoming, and I am in the equipment. Well, tractor equipment business. I work for Case International, and I'm a corporate guy. I'm a marketing sales guy. Kind of what I do is uh, I have any dealership west of the Rocky Mountains, and um, I help out the salesman, but mainly, uh, you know, explaining the new product, how this one's better than the old one, better than the competition, etc., um, but my background, really, I'm an agronomist. I, I, I was a plant science guy. I uh, went to Arkansas State and um, got my degree there back in the early 2000s and spent my life uh, growing up in the Delta region of Arkansas and um, grew up with a bow in my hand and a shotgun over my shoulder. Um, you know, uh, my family very ingrained in in the in the hunting community there. I, You're from a long line of sports. Long, long line, mm-hmm. yeah, very long. Um I mean, we go back, my family goes back there over 150 years. And, um, you know, I, I just happened to be in the area. It was kind of odd. I reached out to Matt and wanted to talk about pack llamas because today I'm in the backcountry and in the backcountry uh, archery thing. And that's, that's my real game. That's what I'm really into these days. Hardcore trad bow guy. That's what I like to do. Um, recurves or longbows doesn't make any difference. As long as they don't have training wheels on them, I'm good with it. Um, try to be as proficient as possible. I shoot almost every single day. I mean, I always have my gear in my truck as I travel around, you know, the States and shoot. And, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind I guess more or less my background. Um, every time I talk to a trad bow guy, yeah, there's a, do you know the difference between normative and descriptive? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like, do you, David? No. Okay. So, and there's no reason you would. I mean, it's just like, 
academic philosophy that like it's a distinction they make so and philosophy is a hobby of mine but if something is descriptive if you're being descriptive you're saying I do it this way would be an example but if you're being normative you'd be saying I do it this way and you should too and every time I talk to a trad bowl person, I'm being normative. There's a little resentment. There's a little normative. I just had a, a tr- no. It's a fact. Um, I just had a guy on the podcast two nights ago. His name was Bob Borland, and he was making the case that that some of the issues we have with crowding would would go away be ameliorated if there were more traditional archery units uh, just like where you could only use traditional I've got to agree with a, Bob a, 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 <laughs> equipment oh I do too I even like I have eight bullet points on my web on my website and they're the I so I think hunting the kind of hunting I care about is gone is going away it's like hunting where you don't have to pay for Access, I think, is becoming a quality hunting where you don't have to pay for access. I'm afraid is becoming a thing of the past. And those eight bullets I have on my website are: if I looked in a crystal ball, I've said this several times in the podcast now, but I don't know enough if I said it on any of the episodes that have issued that have that have been released. But if you look in a crystal ball, if I looked in a crystal ball and saw that in 20 years, somehow. The kind of hunting, and I gather you guys are public land hunters now too. Yes. Yep. Um, that if things had stabilized, not gotten worse, or even gotten better, it would be because we did these eight things. And now there's nine things, because when I was talking to, to Bob, uh, I, I agreed to put as a bullet support initiatives for primitive weapons uh, seasons well, and units. We'll think about it. Matt. In exchange, in exchange, I'll, I'll, I'll let it's you talk. Yeah. In exchange, he agreed to get off hunt, uh, stop putting gripping grins online. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not online to do gripping grins, but I'll say this. We have a muzzleloader season in most states. Why can't I have my primitive archery season? I mean, is that not a fair point? Oh, it's a um, fair point. If, it's, it's. I mean, and I'm not. Look, it's. It's not like I'm like Howard Hill or Fred Bear. I'm not. I don't claim that. For me, honestly, it really was about connecting, uh, the connection with the animal. I'm not trying to sound philosophical or Zen or whatever, but the connection. Like, if you get a doe, I don't care. Oh yeah. It's like you win the Super Bowl. You feel like yeah, Joe Namath. Yeah, yeah, you feel yeah, like Joe yeah, Namath yeah, or John yeah. Elway. I bet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. Now, if you do screw around and you do get the big one or whatever, you know, it's an incredible feeling. I've been lucky enough to do that a time or two. But I'm going to be honest, guys. I'll lose a lot more than a win. Um, not that I'll lose animals. I don't get the shot. Mm-hmm. I don't get the shot. It makes you be disciplined. It teaches discipline. You never, you never lose animals? I have lost an animal. It's been a long time. Mm. 
It has been a it's been a number of years, but more often than I've not, lost more animals than I can even count, and that's with a compound bow. But. I've lost animals. I'm not trying to say I haven't, but I have worked diligently at my shot placement. I'm not the best. I try to out hunt them. That's what traditional archery is about for me. It's you got to get close. You got to hunt close. You got to get in there 10, 12, 15 yards. Um, if I, for me anyway, there are guys out right. there that I've met that can zip them in there at 40 yards. And that, that's amazing that they can do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not that guy. So I've had to become a better hunter and not rely on technology to get there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that everyone has to do that. I get it. It ain't for everybody. Um, you know, but the thing is, Bradley, in this culture that we're in, the traditional season will draw those people that don't care as much as you. Yeah. They'll draw the people that will just go buy the the recurve bow. They won't practice enough. They'll wound more animals, and it will it will just become more of a shit show. That's a fair point. I, uh, you know, that's a yeah. muzzle, that's like the muzzleloader yeah. season. When, yeah. when you revert yeah. to All a right. muzzleloader season, All right. you're just drawing people in that, that aren't as proficient because they, they haven't grown up with it. They haven't... You know, achieve that level that you have. Yeah, and it's a it's a years long journey. That's a that's a solid point, David. And I don't. Yeah, so it's scary to me. It, it, yeah, it's hard. It's 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 hard to say with all this stuff. It's hard with some things. It's easy to say the consequences in my mind. Yeah, I see no downside to not putting dead and dying animals on the computer for the hunting community. But then with stuff like that, you don't know what the unintended consequences are of having them. I I but. I'd rather do that. I'd rather have a traditional archery season. I'd rather, if let's say I could get rid of game cameras that shoot a send a picture of the animal to your phone, <laughs> and and get rid of people like seemingly backing up on the few hunting shows I've seen, so they can get further away to demonstrate. They're shooting bona fides, and they're shooting stuff at a freaking quarter mile away. Yeah, everyone's a thousand yard shot today, right? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> let's say we had, let's say we had to choose. Either we're going to go gangbusters with that technology, or we're going to have primitive seasons. Ooh. I would have I would have to go for the primitive seasons. I um, I agree. I, I, um, I do agree. Yeah, I like the way you put that. And you know, like I said, Dave, you. you you had a great point there. Guys would cripple. It takes a lot of time. And, man, I mean, you can have an off day. And I've had that off day. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, no, I never miss. I don't. Absolutely. I mean, it's right. a live animal. You guys know, I don't care even with that rifle, 1,000-yard shot, mm-hmm. right? It's a live animal. It's not a target. But at a certain point, I ask myself with the long-range shot, are we shooting or are we hunting? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my big question. Yeah, there, yeah. You know? If I could, if I could uh, have a choice right now, it's uh, the beginning. Of, we're coming on the beginning of July. Hunting season is starting in a couple bow season, which is where I do most of my hunting, and I hunt with conventional archery gear. If it's only two months away, if I could choose, I'm going to be the only guy in a unit, and I got to use a, a, a recurve bow, and I got to, and I can't shoot past ten yards. <laughs> But I'm the only guy in the unit versus I can go to another unit and use my there you go. Mm-hmm. my sophisticated stuff. I would so rather count go. Me, yeah, count yeah, me in. Yeah. Count me in for that. 
I don't know. For me, like I said, it's it's about being intimate with what I'm doing, and um, you know, and it's just between me. It's it's really truly you versus Mother Nature and the animal, and you get to see how good you are <laughs> or bad you are. It, yeah, it, 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 oh sure. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really want to test yourself, and, and today no one no one gives a shit about that. They want to look at this, you know, hold up the horns and all all that. Right. And you know, and I, I'm not going to say, you know, growing up, you were talking about that the grab and grin thing. I'll be honest, grab and grin. I've never heard it called. Yeah, I've like, always heard grip and grin, grip and grin, or whatever the hell you want to call it. But <laughs> what one one thing I do cherish a lot was like. I grew up in a hunting family, and we had the old Polaroids, you know? My grandmother was always like Polaroid, and she used to have the big, huge, you know, camera in the 80s. Every birthday party, everything you did, you had the cameras. Since my family has passed on, I really do treasure, like, I look at myself progressing as a kid, my dad when he was still around, and my grandpa when he was in my uncles. And seeing those guys in those photo albums, I do like that. But that's an intimate thing. I'm not going right, to post that. I'm not right. going to post that online. Lest, l- let me not be un- misunderstood. Yeah, I I love looking at at gripping grins. Love it. That's not what I'm opposed to. I'm opposed to showing strangers. Okay. That's um, yeah. because it opens up a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, like like I said, like I've said a zillion times, it just it it. It no longer I can no longer rule out that you're hunting for fame and money at that point. You know? Absolutely. Um, and just personally, I don't. And, and to be fair, that that Matt, I've seen guys. This is truth. Um, I'm not going to call out names or anything, but I have seen guys online that are trad bow hunters. And they're like, look at what a badass I am with oh, X, you, Y, or Z. There's got to be trad influencers. You got it, man. Yeah. Sure, there are. But you pick your segment. It's out there, yeah. of course. Right. So I mean, you can you can turn anything. My point being, you can turn anything into this monstrosity that that you want to. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the social yeah. media has made that possible. Yeah, yeah. I want if if this movement um, or this thing that I'm trying to do doesn't get my point across sufficiently, I I toy around with two ideas. That one would be that I try to do it. To the extreme, like I got babes in bikinis, and they're pouring beer in the deer's rib cage, and lifting it up so I can drink it out of there. You know, like just go as crazy as I can and try to make the point via absurdum. You know, that's a fair assessment. I yeah, I get it. It's like if we're gonna yeah. do if this, if we're gonna go mega supersize ultra whatever dirt bikes, let's like do it behind you. And, yeah, yeah, all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, there was another one, but I can't remember. Now. But anyway, well, some of these some of these social influencer people on the on the YouTube and shit. Um, you know, I saw in White Sulphur Springs, one of my old hunting stomping grounds. There was a bear hunting group because we were doing some spring sampling. So it was May, early, late May, early June. And they had a trailer all decked out and, and it was called the Gut Pile Gang. Oh my God. That is... I am not even shitting. Wow. The Gut Pile Gang, a couple of wall tents. Uh, they were out of staters. They weren't from Did Montana. they have like t-shirts or something? Well, it was cold. It was still kind of chilly. But, you know, the, the, the insignia on the on the trailer that they were toting around to, you know, hunt out of 
was the Gut Pile Gang, and that made me so sick. Oh man, so sick. Yeah, and that's there's, where that's where we're going. There's no you know, honor. Count the Gut Piles is is basically your success now. Just count the Gut Pile. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, stuff like that just leaves me. Yeah, utterly what, speechless. I mean, what what is that? What kind of signal does that give to your, your general public? Yeah, that yeah. sees that going down the road. You know, you know, uh, unknowing, you know, non-hunter and his family are going down interstate, pick your 80, whatever, and they see this going down the road. What, how does that portray us? Yeah. And I'm lumped in with that. Oh, that's, that's the point. That's the, that's exactly the point, man. It's like, why should we have to be associated with that? I shouldn't. Yeah. No. No. Why, why do you spread it? You know, just have your blank trailer without dumb insignias. You know, showing that you want to rack them and stack them or whatever the hell they do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just be quiet about it, like Matt's podcast. I mean, that's that's why I'm here. Yeah. I, I got excited when I when I heard Matt <laughs> when I heard Matt go against the you know the the retention and the R three thing, and it's like we got enough hunters. Keep it off the media. You know, that's yeah. That's you know exactly the the R three thing. Um, that really is what hit home with me. You know. Oh, I'm, can I set up one little thing? You set, set it, it, set it, it up. It, it, what I want to hear. So it's funny. I just found out that the head of R three. I mean, every nonprofit's got an R three arm. Yes, I call, I call it the like nonprofits are kind of like the advertising arm for the hunting industry. In I mean, they do some of them do some good work, but that's a huge part of what they do is they advertise for the hunting industry oh, yeah. and. Because the money the hunting industry gives them comes with strings attached, and this, the biggest string is that they got to try to mint new hunters so that they can sell products. The R three person for Ducks Unlimited mm-hmm. lives in Colstrip. I just found out. Yeah, you were kind of. That's a yeah. That's a good segue for kind of where I was. Yeah, going. yeah. So let, yeah, yeah. Let's hear about. So so background story where I grew up at. In the self-proclaimed duck capital of the world, Stuttgart, Arkansas. Why is that the capital? What I don't know much. Well, okay. I do a little all duck hunting, right. so, but I don't know a so, lot about. All right, waterfowl. And, and you haven't talked a lot on the podcast. We haven't really got into the waterfowl thing. So, me being from the east, I'm going to kind of going to kind of go into some of that and how far back this reaches in this R3 movement, and we need more and more and more, right? Okay, yeah. The D, so, DU does this. Delta Waterfowl. Also, we're all about, you know, more, more, more all the time, right? So, um, you know, I grew up I grew up down there, and um, we, we had, like, holes and stuff that there, it was kind of, like, family-known it didn't matter if you were on Black River or White River or it was all public ground though, right? And this is, uh, you know, these holes have been passed down for generations. And I, I know I sound like an asshole saying, well, this is my hole or whatever. We were happy to share. We were happy to share. But, um, you know, there was a... A hole? What's a hole? So a flooded timber hole. Um, basically. Oh. So like a gap in and, the woods. You know, a lot of guys want to go to Arkansas to hunt flooded timber, mm. hunt mallards in flooded timber. And um, you know, my family had done this for generations. We handed down kind of the same holes. We'd bring people, strangers, people we didn't know. It, it was cool. You Is know? it a gap in the timber? Yeah, it's just a gap. Okay. Um, a lot of times, like a beaver had went in and cut it down. It wasn't like we went out there and like sawed down the the white oaks or whatever. But 
in the fall, you know, it would flood and the acorns would, would, would float and the ducks come in and you go in and hunt. Now, all public land and uh, really what happened there was people started advertising. And I'll be honest, I told you this when I emailed you, um, a lot of the guided stuff and the leases came out of poverty. Where I'm from, I'm going to be honest, it's not... Uh, this is maybe I'm going to sound bad uh, talking about my own place, but it's it's poverty stricken. It's a poor place. People don't have a lot of extra money, and if a guy had a little something and he could get something out of it, well, he would do that. Well, then it was like more money come. Well, I, you know this guy's going to pay this amount. Well, this guy was like, no, this doctor, or lawyer, or whatever, and this guy, and this guy, and this until it's ratcheted up. There are guys paying. $50,000 to lease like private land on places where that were like my friends where we could go and hunt mm. and and it's done mm. um, and then this little show called Duck Dynasty come out and I know Phil and I've, I've oh, met what's him. it called again? Uh, <laughs> Dynasty <laughs> Duck Dynasty um, is that still going? well no but it it it, it was a coup de grace it was mm. the death blow it did its damage um, so Stuttgart is a town of 10,000 people. They have the wings over the Prairie Festival, and everybody's there to make money. Max Prairie Wings there. All the big waterfowl things are there, right? We've got the dog jumping contest, and it's cool. Look, that's great. Max, what was that? Max Prairie Wings. That is like the premier outfitter for waterfowl. Max, M-A-C-K. Just, and this person just operates in that area? Uh, yeah, it was a family. They used to be a little bitty place there, and um, it's gotten very... It's very big, and, and, and more power to them. I'm not mad at, at I'm not mad at the the uh, retail store. I'm not mad at that. Oh, it's a store. Yeah. Oh, okay. When you said I thought, outfitter, I thought maybe you guys knew this. Um, I, I thought maybe you had heard of Max Prairie Wings no. before. When you said it's, that, uh, I thought it, when it, you said outfitter, I thought imagine, you meant imagine um, uh, you know Bass Pro Cabela's whatever. But instead of kind of going towards either fishing or just, it's primarily waterfowl. It's for waterfowlers. Okay. So guys will show up there in town, and they're there. Like I said, our retailers there, and they're these guys are there to make money. I get that. But you'll have a hundred and fifty thousand people there, and they've got their face paint on, and they've grown their. I'm, I don't have any hair, but they have their hair long and beards down here, and they just look ridiculous. And you'll you'll like they're truck they're tricked out like yeah oh, oh yeah yeah. So like we have horsepower restrictions on certain rivers, so guys will swap their callan out where they're supposed to have I don't know fifteen twenty horse, and they'll put a twenty five on there. And <laughs> you, you sit in line tonight. These holes that I used to go to as a kid, grew up hunting. You said that. How would you? How do you? How did you figure that out that they were swapping out the cowl? Well, when you're going 62 and I'm going 30, <laughs> um, and you have a, and that guy's got a smaller motor than you, right? Right. I'm like, what do you really got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So they're swapping this out. I mean, it's really gotten to that mm-hmm. level. And so you go to put in, and it doesn't matter. Uh, Brewer Bottoms uh, down at Biomito. Um, I you pick White River, Black River, wherever you're going. You're going to sit there and stay in your truck overnight in a line to put a boat in. Oh, my gosh. And I have seen firsthand, firsthand saw this, grown men fist fight over who's putting the boat in first. And then they race down going, uh, I saw this was viral. It was on, um, this was on Black River like probably five or six years ago. 
it, if you saw, it was just boat on top of boat and like ramming. It's like a demolition derby with boats, with guns and dogs and people. And everybody's trying to get to the choice spot. Yes, and it's a race to get to the hole. And then, why don't people go down there and just spend the night in the hole? Well, you you, you can't. You can only leave oh, it X time, whatever okay. time they designate. So they've tried, and, and they are uh, the game of fishes. They're trying to do like a lottery system, like Missouri has done, but the damage is done. People know people are going, um, and, and the, you know the other thing about it, Matt. Uh, what what Bob, what what I'm struggling with here is, um, I just feel like duck hunting is dying. We just need more. Don't you think we need more participants? No, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with a, a heavy hill no, It's um, and you know what, and um, being around it, and being around the guys that are doing it, uh, being out there in one of those holes. If you cut that guy off, say you beat him to the hole. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've been going there since I was six. And maybe I'm an asshole for saying it, but this is cult, total asshole move. That guy will get on the other side. They'll shoot over the top of you, and we call it sky busting. You guys ever heard sky busting the ducks? Sky, we call it sky blasting. blasting. Okay, well we're, we're, we sky bust down there, and they're a mile. They've got their oxygen mask on high. And they're just raining, and they'll make sure they shoot over you so shot rains yep. down on right. you. Right. And um, if that's not enough, well, then we'll just, you know, I mean, we've had guys get shot. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 insane. I choose not to participate. Um, that's why you moved to Wyoming. Um, well, that was a lot of it, yeah. I mean, but the, the other reason I moved was the deer hunting is just as bad. Uh, turkeys? Good Lord. Like I, you know, I had, uh, if, if a turkey gobbles down there, he's got 15 guns on him. Mm. No question. It's a, it's a crazy place, man. Um, and, and, you know, David and I were talking a little bit earlier about how dangerous some of this stuff can get. You know, if a guy's gobbling or something, if you gobble anywhere down there, you, you are playing with fire. I mean, there's no telling you, you'll get shot. Mm-hmm. Very high possibility. Yeah. Setting with a decoy, you know, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I, it was, it, and this has been going on, you know, we've been saying this since the early mid nineties. Um, and the deer hunting is, it's the same. It's, um, it's, uh, really, uh, really gotten bad. Um, I want to let you, uh, you guys talk, but I do have another story about instead of the waterfowl, kind of about archery and deer. And this goes back before social media, but it has to do with media. And it involves a big deer and a place getting blown out. Lay it, lay it on us. Yeah. Okay. So I told you my family, we grew up and we duck hunted and we squirrel hunted and we coon hunted. We had coon hounds. and uh, But our big thing that we did, we were archery guys. And we did hunt with compounds. And I've still, I've, I've hunted with compounds in the past. Um, I'm the only bonehead. My little brother thinks I'm a moron for, he's like, why don't you pick up your compound? But my grandpa was, uh, and dad were hardcore bow hunters and they've both passed on. So, uh, and, and I'll be honest, um, my grandpa, uh, grew up, you know, in the thirties back during the great depression era. And he really believed in you ate everything you killed. I don't care if it was a skunk or a possum. Mm. I mean, it was good on him. That yeah. was that was the way it was. And you know those guys, they'd always hoard everything too, like no matter what. And he was, they were they were brought up in lean times, right? Yeah. But but he was always 
kind of like you, he was quiet about how he hunted. We didn't advertise like, hey, we're out hunting and doing whatever, you know, whatever. He, uh, but he was quite the bow hunter. I'll just put it like that. He was very proficient. And um, in the mid-90s, and he never paid to mount a deer. Never did. Um, and he killed, I'll just leave it at, a lot of deer. He did. And um, he had this old chicken wire fence. I can still see it in my mind in front of his house. And if they had antlers, he'd throw them in there and the squirrels would eat them. And he had some really big bucks in there. He didn't give a shit about that. Mm. This was about, we've got meat and, and we've got our garden. And if this all goes to hell, we can take care of ourselves. That was the mindset mm. that I was raised in. Well, in the mid-90s, he killed a really, really big buck. And my one of my relatives um, wanted to score this deer. And he wound up being a Boone and Crockett deer. I know that he had killed other deer that probably rivaled this buck that were out there in this chicken wire fence. But for whatever reason... <laughs> Whatever reason, my uncle really wanted to make something of this. Well, he wound up at the time being a state record in Arkansas. Mm. And um, anyway, Bow Hunter Magazine comes down. And this is not, my my grandpa was not a let's talk to people and interview people and my uncle. And they kind of really pushed him. They pushed him mm -hmm. towards this. And so um, a writer... Um, I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to leave it anonymous. But bow hunter writer, um, he uh, he wrote up a story and told the story and gave the damn location on. It was per described as on private, but it was on public and gave the exact basic location. Wait a minute! I'm not getting that part. Was it indeed on private or was it indeed no, on public? It was on public. On public. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was. And he said that it was on public? Um, yes. Okay, where did the private bit come in then? Um, I'm sure that he was trying to... I, Wait, he said it was on private or he said it was on public? The writer, the writer. The writer said that it was on private next to public. But it was actually on public. public. Okay, got it. And, and it wouldn't matter anyway. If it was on the 10 yards of private that were there, the public is right here. How did he, what did he do, give the Latin long? It's not a very big place. You can get a really good, when you give the town and the description and the story, you could put two and two and two together. Mm -hmm. So this is 90s, okay guys? This is way back there. Way back there. The next year, holy sheep shit. We had, I just remember a, a throng of people and it was just, it was overrun because all these guys were reading this and Oh, I'm going to go to the spot, and I'm going to kill the big buck. Yeah. And um, it, it really went downhill. I'll be honest, it hadn't been brought up in a long time, and that was there weren't very many of those out there. The old man hunted literally every day, all day, for months on end. Mm. He had earned that what he was year. doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, a lifetime was spent doing this. So, you know, he... Uh, he he! Oh, he was pissed though. Uh, people people were all over the place out there for a long time. It's kind of calmed down when after you know many many years. Well, what, what happens too is you know you get that attention to a spot, and then the deer get smart, and you know they're just overrun with people. 
Well, they and, were, yeah. And then they just get smart, and people go oh. away because the hunting's not as great as it was proposed well, well, to be. Whitetail white there in that part of the world are just basically nocturnal today. Mm-hmm. E- anyway, I mean, there's so much pressure. Oh, yeah. I mean, every tree, there's it's it's insanity. Mm. I I have no desire any longer. I know that sounds terrible, but yeah, big reason I moved. That mm. coupled with the waterfowl thing, and even. It's just, unless you want to squirrel hunt, you know, your guest you had on, a, I guess, a, the last episode you had on, he was from Arkansas also. Yeah. Yep. Johnny Sane. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot of what Johnny said there, are, it was, it rang true with me in a lot of ways. Um, it's probably more pronounced on the other side of the state where I'm at than it is on his. It's a little bit bigger. There's a little bit more on the on that side than there is on the mm-hmm. other side but yeah that's kind of my story on um you know um why a big reason why i mean it, it's so disheartening when i'm i'm trying to do this intimate thing in my style and there's 200 people around me and i'm just getting blown out everywhere that i go even like the deep like You'll go miles, and you're like, I got away from them mm-hmm. this time. I'll be damned. You're yeah, not. Yeah. It's it, There they are. Yeah. And it's out of state. I'm sorry. And I know I'm a transplant. I get it. But it's just, it's it's out of hand. Yeah, I don't think you have to feel guilty about being a transplant. I mean, like, the way I see this stuff is that you're a member of the hunting community. Fair. And I'm trying to look out for the existing hunting community. I just had a guy on that's a new hunter. And I told him, and this is true, that I care just as much about his future as I do an old, somebody that's been hunting their whole lives. Once you're part of the community, and if you're doing it right and you're not gripping and grinning on social media or trying to get famous and make money off of it, then you're in my sphere of concern. That's somebody I... I, I care about. And if you move to a different state to have better hunting, that I don't think you should feel feel bad about doing that at all you know that's i think that that's that's what i did yeah Yeah, i moved out here for better hunting um but uh i what i there's you know my everybody listening to this knows my bitches by now but and one of them is (laughs) how can you hear story and you know one episode i want to do in the not too distant future now is i probably have 75 emails from people that have emailed me in the last few months there's there's some hate directed at me on hunting forums but it's wild like all 75 of these emails are extremely supportive i even got on one of the hunt forums and said i want to i want wanted some of you folks to reach out to me at huntquietly.org that disagree with me because that's who I really want to talk to, you know? I don't want this to be all echo chambery and shit, you know? And didn't it was crickets. But um where was it going going with that? Ah, I lost my train of, my train of thought. Uh let let's uh Let's uh, move on just a, a little bit. Uh, uh, David, you as well have a story about a magazine uh, compromising one of your hunting locations. 
Boy, yeah, this is uh, this goes back to 2008, and you know it's way before Facebook and Insta, yeah. Insta gratification and all the all the social media things. It was an outdoor life article. You know the. And it, Sorry, you're out, but they, these are still happening. These articles oh, sure. are. Oh, sure. The, I, I see, I, I look at enough hunting media just to know what it is that I hate. Uh, I don't like it at all. I, I, I don't like. I used to, I used I to like, love Film Stream, Outdoor Life. You know, I would dream about those because I was in upstate New York. Right. You know, just sure. But you know. you, the, I call them the get it while it's hot articles. Right. Where it's like, Little known fact: This state has the big bucks. You South know. Dakota's the hidden gem. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. So, well, this right. guy, this guy in outdoor life, and I think he's still a, maybe an editor up there. Um, um, he Mc- lives in our fair state. McKean. McKean. <laughs> What's his name? And Andrew, Andrew McKean. Yeah, Andrew. He lives in our fair state of Montana, and he put an article out. And my buddy Bill and I found you know found this spot through word of mouth and it's public land, and it was a beautiful little honey hole and you know Andrew McKean put out this outdoor life article in 08 uh, that fall or winter I think it was and you know best public hunting in the state or in the country and oh wow focused it right on town right on Port Mm -hmm. Dillon Montana Mm -hmm. and it's not a secret anymore and now it's overrun with everybody and it was that next year we went back to our spot and there was Washington plates South Dakota plates Idaho plates and we had seen nothing but but, but our in-state, you know, secret, you know, folks that knew. Yeah. And that next year, it was blown the hell up. And we'd never had a really successful, you know, it's gotten so bad down there now. After years of just getting hammered by out-of-staters that the even during archery season now, there was a time when we would skip, you know, we'd come during archery instead. We'd say, let's... Let's avoid the craziness of, of, you know, rifle season, get there during archery. We'd pull up and there'd still be cow elk in our, in our camping spot, you know, because they, they weren't archery trained in 2009 yeah. yet. Yeah. And yeah. That, and that's not that long. Ago. No, it's a decade ago. And, you know, we'd be like, oh my God, this is awesome. You know, we're going to just do archery all the time. Right. Yeah. And, and now that spot's gotten so bad that even early archery sends them to private there's 200 300 elk in the private that are unaccessible through archery now through rifle now and they just they're they, they know they, they know they, they are I, I suspect andrew mckean would say that that's a, a good thing so like he wrote i wrote an article critical of r3 and he and three other editors at Outdoor Life all wrote a polemic about me in response. And here's a quote from that article. The good hunting and abundant access that drew me to this place more than 20 years ago has been discovered thanks to map, mapping apps like Onyx, social media and content producers like me. So I read that, and don't, doesn't it sound like he's proud of the fact that that happened? It that he like did he's that to happy you? Happy that he blew up spots. Yeah, that he's happy he promoted the hunting, the, the demise of like our secret spots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of 
I, I mean, I, there's probably more context there, but yeah, that sounds very much like he's promoting this and very proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so my, I have the suspicion that, that that the hunting industry and hunting entertainment, hunting media of all sorts, cares way, 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 way more about making money than they do about guys like you and I, you guys and me. And here, I want, so I want to read another quote from this article by him that's demonstrative of that in my mind. I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, it's not like I have a settled opinion, opinion on Andrew McKean, but I wouldn't say he's a hypocrite, but I find this bit from the article deeply hypocritical. I'm sure I'm hypocritical sometimes as well, but let me just read. Uh, quote, but consider this. As Ranella and many other folks who have contributed their perspectives to the current state of hunting have observed, we're living in the fat times of citizen-based conservation funding. The federal Pittman-Robinson Fund, which is derived from taxes on guns and ammunition and which helps fund state wildlife agencies, has never been more solvent. We have more money than ever for wildlife management thanks to the rush on guns, ammunition, and personal defense gear. Ranella has touched on an important point, one that is a healthy PR fund balance, one that a healthy PR fund balance can address. All the attention and pressure on public land has created crowding issues. Partly that's because many hunters have written off private land as either inaccessible or unworthy of our attention. But I'd argue that the reason public land has taken on such an outsized role in both our imagination and hunting plans is because we have lost our cultural connection to private land. We no longer have an Uncle Ned or Grandpa Collins with the place in the country where we could learn to shoot and hunt squirrels. A generation of non-rural hunters who have gravitated to public land by necessity, has forgotten how to ask for hunting permission, parenthetically, or they never were taught. That generation assumes all private land is close to them. Acre for acre, private land tends to hold more game than public land. So, why don't we lobby for a portion of our PR funds to go to private land access programs and use this windfall of new hunter recruitment to add more land for these newcomers, as well as us veterans, to hunt. Now, I like that proposal, but here's the problem with this Andrew McKean. He, he he's saying, why don't we use PR dollars to open up access to private land? He has a ranch up in Glasgow. And he lives in that ranch that he has is in a state where there are public pro, there are public dollars to allow hunting. There are programs that use out-of-state hunting license fees to uh, open up access. It's called the Block Management Program, whereby FWP Fish, Wildlife, and Parks pays pays landowners to allow access for hunting. 
Do you think that Andrew McKean's ranch is in that is in block management? The guy that's advocating for that? I'll bet not. Nope. <laughs> and uh, a mutual acquaintance of Andrew's and mine uh, asked him a while back why his ranch wasn't in block management. And Andrew said to him that because it's because some of the neighbors' ranches are in block management, and he has noticed that it turns it into, quote, too much of a shit show, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Mm, boy. Yeah. So these are the, these are the, these are the authorities on hunting that are looking out for our future. It's scary. And, and the block management programs are so booked up all the time. I mean, there's so many hunters trying to access those parcels. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's tough to get in. And, and when you do get in, if you don't get in first, you're out of luck usually. In this desperate attempt to try to save what us three love, I, 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 Matt, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I love going to my public lands and seeing game. Mm-hmm. And the past five, six years, all they've been seeing is hunters. Yeah. And it's, 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 oh, it's just become frustrating. I feel your pain. That was just, it started many years ago where I'm, you know, back east. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know what you mean. It, it is. It's, it's disheartening not to see the stuff. You know, I'd also told you a story and when I emailed you, um, kind of a snapshot in time it was uh, my grandfather again and he had this little eight millimeter film and it was total garbage as far as quality i mean you know today's 4k gopro mm. hunter or whatever the hell he's got it's not no fancy shop or whatever but um you'd see the ducks they'd get up in the morning and um you could hear the audio even though it sucked this was in the i'd say probably 61 62 somewhere in there and it sounded like a freight train. Hmm. And they would black the sky out. My dad used to get me up as a kid. They didn't black the sky out anymore. But we'd get up early before I'd get on the school bus, and we'd watch all the ducks fly. Good luck seeing a duck fly down there today. Good hmm. luck with that. And we hear these record numbers every year. Oh, yeah, the hatch was whatever, whatever. But what they don't tell you is they're hunted from Canada to Mexico, gunned down. Everyone's got a field pumped up. Everyone's got a Wait, wait, a field pumped up? Oh, yeah. yeah. What's so, that? So they'll flood, you know. You flood. Oh, pumped up with water. So in Arkansas, Sorry. you'll pump it up with slow water. on the draw there. No, mm-hmm. you're, you're good, Matt. So little explanation there. Um, you know, agriculture fields, a lot of the time, uh, what guys would do was uh, they get done with rice harvest. And um, rice being the big crop where I'm, I'm from or maybe even a cornfield today. And they would flood it so the ducks would hit it, right? Problem is, you got... 10 jillion of them today. And, and so maybe we do have record numbers, but they're dispersed to the four corners. And so you can't, you know, you can't isolate. They don't, and they're shot absolutely, you know, we, we've trained a smarter duck too. Just, oh, like, sure. just like you were talking about earlier, they, deer, they get smarter. Smarter elk, deer, yep. Yep. Smarter, elk yeah. smarter deer, you know, they become nocturnal. Incessant persecution will do that to an animal. Mm-hmm. Funny, yeah. you know. Funny and, and, and after, <laughs> so you kill the dumb one, and then the next year they breed, oh, he's a little smarter, and then so on and so forth until now you've got them. They won't decoy. You could be, you know, world-class caller, doesn't matter. 
it's really tough to give them a yeah. decoy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess where I was going with that was, um, you know, the uh, the duck hunting stuff has evolved into this money making machine, and it. it I'm glad that people have found a way to make money. I'm a capitalist. I'm not saying don't make your money, but I'm saying there's got to be some limitations somewhere with some of this. It is it is so far gone. I mean, I wouldn't even call it duck hunting today. If we were to go back to the family farm, I'd call it bird watching for blackbirds today. That's what you're going to see. Stand out there to see a blue jay fly by. And mm. used to when I was a kid, we'd, we'd make fun of you if we, you shot a Susie or a hen. That's what we call them. Mm. Today, if it flies, it dies. You've seen the stickers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's advertise that. If it flies, it mm, dies. If it's brown, it's down. If it's brown, it's down. Yeah. And uh, guys, advertise that. And think about your non-hunter seeing that crap going down yeah. the highway. Mm-hmm. It's how, how long before they drop the hammer on us, guys? And it's, it's all done. Yeah. Because of this mindset. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, the the smarter game is is I mean the the you know it, Matt, very well in Montana. The elk have tuned in to where they're safe, and they'll go there early and often, and often just like habituate to that spot. They won't even venture into public anymore with some of the crowding, and, and they're constantly bothered. Um, just from archery to rifle by archery, but the end of archery, they've you know probably seen. I don't know. They've seen the show, they've right? They've seen the show. They know. They know yeah, this movie. They, they know yeah. the drill, and and they start to think, oh, it's it's time they're to go. Persecuted. Over. Yeah, I, it's it's nonstop. I think this is about this stuff. This these kinds of conversations are extremely valuable because. There's still a lot of people. I mean, the hunting industry and the hunting nonprofits have been bullshitting about the people about the real threats to hunting for so long that people are incredibly brainwashed. And what's valuable about these kinds of discussions is they lay bare the real problems facing hunters. Um, and I, 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 I've, I've proposed my solutions. Just let me tick them off very quickly. My, I have this this attempt that's like this thing where I'm trying to tr- trying to trust in the kindness of the world and saying leasing of other people out is just screwing, is totally fucking the rest of the hunting community. Like I've been trying to work on a way, like maybe if you lease land that it's incumbent on you to allow other people to hunt it too, or at least. You be, instead of leasing it for yourself, you then are the manager of it and you allow some other folks on. But just leasing up land is in making it so you have a bunch for yourself and everybody else is crunched onto even less and less land is, is a bullshit thing to do to your fellow hunters. The other one is um, stop with the hunting media. Because it incentivizes hunting for the wrong reasons, and who knows? Maybe that take fifteen people percent of people out of the game. I don't know what the real number was. Would be uh, the other one is the nonprofits who are still, despite the sorts of to- stories that we, the an- sorts of anecdotes we have here, and more than just anecdotes, 
survey data on, on people's dissatisfaction with hunting because of the crowding still are in this relentless drive to, to hype it up and create more hunters. So that's the other one for me is put pressure on these nonprofits. Stop just cozying up to the hunting celebrities and trying to like gin up interest in, in an already overcrowded sport. And maybe instead have the opposite platform. I'd love to see a nonprofit that came out against hunting TV and hunting social media. If they really cared about the sportsmen and they really cared about the future of hunting on publicly accessible land, I think that's what they'd do. But uh, what do you think? Do you guys have are those the right ones, or should they be focused on? Should the focus be on something else? I mean, for me, honestly, I feel like you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean. The social media and the the, mon- the monetization behind it is definitely driving to create more. And the nonprofits, like I said, every year it's well, let's get more people involved, more and more and more. And I'm not saying not to get involved. Get involved for the right reasons if you're going to do this and understand what I call it: hunt with honor, hunt with treat some of it with respect. Not what you call them, gut piles or us or whatever the hell mm-hmm. they are, you know. Or if it flies, it dies, you know. Have a little respect for what you're doing. Yeah. Another component of that is just shooting what you need to. Shooting what you need. You know, you know, you talked about on their podcast when I listened to it, guys shooting three elk, four elk, however many elk. How many can you eat? I mean, me and I, granted, I have a small family, but we can eat, you know, and I eat a lot of protein, bigger dude. So yeah, you are pretty (laughs) freaking. Yeah. Yeah. I like, so that's the other thing. So I'm either working out, but I'm, Honestly, I don't work out, so I can like get into shape. To I just like to be in shape, but right. I eat a lot of protein. Mm-hmm. So about an elk and a half, I'd say, or something like that. But I'm going to kill my elk, and that's it. I'm not going off out of state. I'm not playing this stupid point game crap. I'm not saying that I wouldn't go, but honestly, if I could get my elk and I can get a couple of deer, I mean, me being a bigger guy, that's enough meat. How much more do you need? It's for content. So yeah. These guys just stacking it on. Well, I got to get the shot. And it's got to be perfect. And it's and, and, so and, and, it's so freaking rude to the rest of the hunting community. I, I, and, and you talked about you know the getaways and how it's not real. I mean, it's just like you get you know this guy's dating or whatever, and he gets catfished. You're not seeing real life on this guys. You're, no, the, no, what you're seeing not. it is it is fiction. And, mm-hmm. and it's back fiction. to back to the you know the backcountry thing. You know. Being a backcountry hunter is fantastic. And these guys that are going further and further in the backcountry, you know, they're always like an entourage. There's like one hunter that's got the tag, and then there's three others following along to pack the thing out. So that's four dudes, you know, on your in your in your woods yeah. that are, you know, causing scent, they're causing, you know, they're disrupting someone else's hunt. Instead of just one guy that's like back in there for the right reasons, solo, I want to do this. You know, whether it's with llamas or whether it's on yeah. your back, you know, there's like an entourage and that just like sets up, you know, when you look across the meadow and, oh, I had this happen. Yeah. Big hole, tell. big hole, um, secret, secret place, not secret anymore, but it used to be a nice little, uh, secret spot south of Helena and my one buddy and I used to bow hunt there quite a bit, a couple of drainages I won't mention, um, but, you know, we had a nice bowl across the meadow, and we were about two and a half miles back. 
you know, usually we didn't have to go that far. Mm -hmm. But lately we've had to go further and further back yeah. to find the elk. And this this elk, and I was calling, and, you know, he's set up, and I was like, oh, my God, he's, he popped across the meadow. And right. he's like at 50, 60 yards, and he's, you know, he might be coming. And he's just got to clear this one little area and maybe pop out a little bit sideways for, for my buddy. And he, the elk literally looks to his right down the end of the meadow, and there's a troop of other bow hunters coming up the meadow. Why are these guys hunting in big groups? I don't get that I part. don't get that either. Me yeah. either. There's four of them coming up the meadow, not even pretending to like sneak up into an area that they're hunting, not knowing we were there, obviously. But this elk turns to his right, and he's just like, gone. Yeah, sure. And... And we were two and a half miles in. It's 4.30, 5 o'clock at night. You know, we're kind of expecting the best. And that just ruined it. We tried to find that herd because he was with maybe five or six guys. Did you talk to the guys that you that blew him out? Did you say anything? You know, at that point, <laughs> we were disgusted. And in fact, the meadow was so long. I mean, they were like a half a mile down, Sure, to be honest. <clears throat> and we're like... Well, it's, you know, we're like, let's just get out of here. We, we, you know, we're, we were at the disgusting point because we watched the trailhead fill up the next morning or the previous morning. And, and we're just like, how are there so many people here? Mm -hmm. You know, we just kept saying that. How are there so many people here? This was like our little spot. There are one or two cars usually. And now there's six, seven, eight cars and there's out of state plates. And you're like, how does this happen? Question for you, uh, and Matt, you kind of you said it a second ago. Why are so many guys hunting in groups? This was always a solitary thing that we did. Like I didn't hunt with my like my family. We all hunted, but we weren't like I'm right here. Right, 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 right. right. I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen this. Oh I, yeah, I haven't seen. It's this, a so. thing, man. There's like maybe they're scared of bears or something. I don't know. I'm in bear. Country. I think someone's got to film it. Right. And maybe that's oh, that's a valid yeah. valid point. I, I think didn't someone's got a GoPro. Just yeah. waiting to film it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, or, or maybe they're all out of staters. And in fact, I know this is a fact because I've seen Minnesota things where one guy gets out of the truck with a bow and there's like three of his buddies that aren't carrying any weapons. Do you think they're doing it for the notoriety or are they doing it for the money? They're doing it because they see it on social media. They're just Everybody, following. It's just this, I'm going to... I'm going to go Here's to Here's a cliff. Let's jump off. Yeah. yeah I have noticed that you'll see... On hunting, on hunting social media, you'll see like somebody shot an elk and there's 15 people behind them. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, yeah. You know, um, you talked about it on one of the other episodes a little bit that, you know, as it's getting harder to draw the tags because of point creep or whatever you want to call it, you know, whatever's going on. Do you think they're bringing those guys along just because he draw? He's, he's the one that has the drew, tag. Drew, drew the, the tag. tag. So... Yeah. This is Ricky, who's like my lawnmower mechanic, and he drew the tag. <laughs> tag. So we're going to let Ricky shoot this one because we right. love Ricky. Right. Yeah. The one guy I had on, the first guy I had on, Rob Shaw, from he's got this little movement in Wyoming called Mountain Pursuit. He was saying that he feels like he follows hunting TV a little bit, like with the public land stuff, that it is, it's less and less the host that's killing the animal. Because they're eating themselves out of house and home. They're not getting the tags. <laughs> they, they're, they're not getting the tags. So they got to go with somebody else, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. 
I mean, it, you're you're only making it. What I wish, what I want people to understand is you're only making it harder on yourself by doing this. You're it's basically you're just shooting yourself in the foot doing this. It's crazy doing the advertising. advertising. You're advertising yeah. for them, yeah. and oh look, and I'm wearing all my. Pick your brand. You know, if you're talking duck hunting today, it's the boutique shit. You know, you got to have the banded, you know, I don't Sitka. know. Sitka. Sitka or First Light or whatever. And I say that as I'm, I know I'm wearing a, a SG hat here. Stone Glacier. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm do, I, I've, I've asked like five people now to help me find companies that don't sponsor I just kind of get this more clear, like my instructions and like, I'm not instructing anybody. This is supposed to be a group thing, but I'm tr- I think it'd be good if we could come up with some companies that don't s- sponsor uh, influencers online and don't don't advertise through hunting TV and and promote those companies. So I found one. I found two. One of them's in Norway, um, and the other one is <laughs> in Belarus. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> the other one is in South Dakota. Okay. And I had I had the guy on, so and I'll, I'll, I'll I'm, I'm looking forward to airing that that episode. But it's, and he's a he's a veteran. It's T and T and K hunting gear. So I'll yeah I'll definitely be buying from them. They don't sell a lot of different stuff. But uh, they have a few products like a bino harness, um, uh, maybe some gators, a few other things. But that's, in my mind, if we could do that, that'd be a big step. Yeah, I agree. It would be a big step. You know, and a lot of your general public, and I'm one of them, I don't know who's sponsoring what. I'm going to be honest. If you saw my my, my back backpacking backcountry gear, none of my shit matches. None. It's like, what's on sale Cause I don't have a jillion million dollars. You go back there all clashing and shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> baby. I've got. A, I mean, seriously, my pants I wear. Um, they're I'll name the brand. They're Wranglers twenty two dollars at Walmart. Are they camel? Yeah, oh. sort of. They're camo ish pattern. They're fine. Oh. I, you don't you don't have to have all this. Crap. Maybe Wrangler's got to be one of the companies. Wranglers. There you go. Are they? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we, we need to look into them and see if they're they're, I if they're a, feeding yeah, into the serious. hype. If they're not feeding the hype, we could buy yeah. Wrangler camel. Dude, I yeah. took them when I lived in Alaska. I wore them. They work. I can work in them. Mm-hmm. I can. I mean, basically, a decent work pant is all I really need. Unless you're getting rained, I mean, on, rained on. I mean, maybe yeah, you're. Right. I don't know. Yeah, you're getting rained on. Sure, but even my rain gear is like Brand X bullshit. I'm just being honest. Be be a little. Be, I don't know. I understand wanting to be comfortable, and my stuff is comfortable, but it's not top of the line. Oh, this is the latest, greatest. You see these guys, it's like, oh, the new model's out. And I'm like, it's like the guy with a new iPhone every year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're mm-hmm. going broke doing this. This is insanity. I this, mean, this is going to sound like a megalomaniac, megalomaniacal kind of a comment, but there's a part of me like that dreams about becoming like a kingmaker in hunting. That people buy in, big time buy in, to and what? to everything. This movement, oh, to your movement, and then when I put my thumb down, that <laughs> thing goes away. You know, 
kind of like, for better or worse, Donald Trump with the Republicans. Like, he's a kingmaker. He gets... And that, and like, that I, be, I could, like, get companies to stop with the bullshit. Uh, <clears throat> it's so big, though, you know, Matt. Yeah, it, I know what you mean. And um, there'd be a lot of power. Um, if I, people I, gave me all the freaking power they're hunting, it would be so much better, man. <laughs> I it would. Because I would... I just, I have so much love for my fellow hunters, man, for people that do it for the right reasons. Uh, I get it. You're a genuine guy, and uh, you, you've definitely come across that way. I haven't never met you before, uh, not really knowing much about you other than listening to the podcast. And just being some random dude that's here. I live um, at 26 Herzog Road in Miles City, Montana, and I invite anybody that thinks that I don't care about hunters, the hunting community, to come to my home and attempt to kick my ass. Because I, 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 I'm not the most fit guy. I do exercise and stuff. I'm not like you. But, <laughs> but I just feel like I, I would hold my own against most people just out of righteous indignation. Because I really do, man. I really freaking care about you guys, like people like you guys. I get no. it. You know, um, some of the, the most fun hunts that I was ever on in my life, and I don't want to sound like it, because I think I've kind of come across here like I'm this all-for-me guy. No, some of the most endearing hunts of my life that I've ever had have been when I took someone who knew nothing, no clue what they were doing, and they got to get on, whether it was a buck or a duck or what, what, whatever we were after, and seeing them light up. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's this amazing feeling. Um, oh, I love I love going out with other people and that. that I, I do yeah. too, I, and I don't want to preach against that. It's just this mindset and this monetization that's it, it's just sending the wrong message. And and the general public when they see that, I, I've got to I've got to agree with you guys. I think the hammer's going to get dropped down on us when we see the forty seven coyotes stacked up or the you know biting the head on the back of the duck or whatever, you know. I just heard somebody else talking about this duck head biting. Oh, yeah, that's a thing now. Yeah, you got to bite them. Were you aware of this, David? No, I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's it's so disrespectful. And it's almost like... um, I hope those guys get salmonella. (laughs) You know, they want to put it in people's faces, I feel like is what it amounts to. They They want the general public to see, I'm a man doing this. You're just being disrespectful. You're not hunting with honor when you do that. Mm. I you're, love you're, this hunting with honor, man. Yeah, that's a that's good, beautiful. I, like that. I mean, because when you're when you're carrying a camera around and you know you're you're disrespecting what's going on around yeah. you. You're not even paying you're attention. You're not paying attention. How you're going to miss the show? You know, you go to a concert today, and every person there. I, I was lucky enough. I'm a I'm a Van Halen fanatic. I love Eddie Van Halen. No, no. And I was lucky enough. I would enough not have to... pictured you as a Van Halen No, guy. no one would. I play guitar. That was the other thing that I'm oh. into. So I was lucky enough to see Eddie Van Halen live. Uh, it was one of the last shows before he, he really got sick and um, uh, had really good tickets. And I look up and everyone is doing this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I just stood he, there. and Listening audience, he just, just held up his just phone. watching this guy who is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And hunting, to me, is like that. It doesn't matter how big it is or whatever. It's this moment in this intimate thing that's there. And I feel like you ruin it with that. Yeah. You just crush it. Yeah. And you turn it into this synthesized 
Oh, you know, highly edited. Highly, highly edited. Highly edited. Oh yeah. You know, um, you know. Yeah. I said uh, ten minute clip. Yeah. You know, yeah. Of uh, hours of plenty. You don't yeah. see the I'm freezing my ass off at night parts. You know all the fun parts. All the type two fun. We call this type two fun too, right? Right. right. Yeah. What was type two fun? Yeah, type two fun. Um, like you suffer through. I, you suffer. I, I explained why, why. I often say that hunting is really only fun in retrospect. You're like, yeah. you go out there and suffer for days and then you hate it. And then you come home and you're like, man, that was great. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've explained this to guys before, like people I work with who don't hunt and guys in Montana. And I had this one guy, he looks at me and I'm telling him about my hunt. He's like, tell me in detail. And so I go into full detail of all that I went through. And it was like an 11 day hunt this time on backpacking solo. And, and I explain all this to him and he goes, man, that sounds like something. If you fuck up in prison, you ought to have to do <laughs> What's this type two hunting though? So I call it type two, type two too fun. Fun, I mean type, type two. two fun. So you you uh, you know some people like get instant instant gratification from things, and some people I guess like the challenge of things. And so type two fun is like it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding type thing. I don't know. It's hard to explain. There's probably That's, no that makes out there sense in, to me in, in that the podcast world that knows exactly what type two fun is, but. It is. It's a lot of work. You know, I wake up, I eat, breathe, live. I'm sorry, other and I do take care of work, the wife, the family, you know, all those things. But hunting comes up in my mind every single day of my life, guys. Seven days a week, 365 and a quarter, unless it's a leap year, whatever. Every 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 day of my life, I'm thinking about it. And it's on my mind. And so, you know, it's it's you put a lot into it. And uh, you either get it or you don't, I guess. And, like, some people never will. But I don't want to portray to that guy that doesn't get it. If it flies, it dies. If it's brown, it's down. Mm -hmm, And they get this idea that I'm some monster Neanderthal that's out there clubbing and gutting stuff and standing there with my shirt off and, you know... Or unless you're what you're talking about, Matt, you got the bikini base and (laughs) we're drinking, like... Drinking blood. Drinking blood and... No, you, you treat it more as a sacred act. It is sacred. It is. It is a solitary act. And I feel like the same thing. When it's on film, you know, and and it's highly edited and everything's perfect, it's not representative. And, you know, it just... It gives the wrong impression to the general public, general hunting Right. They make a Fognac Island look easy. Oh, the... (laughs) It it ain't easy. That's the bear attack one the meteor guys did, right? Um, Yeah, that's... I think that's where they were. You know, I'm not talking about that show, but in the past, I've seen seen things, and they make it look easy. It is... It is... You know, actually, they did very good representing exactly how hardcore that money is. It is oh, you, freaking you, hardcore. You, you've done that, yes. I, oh, well, I lived up there, so yeah. So it was. Uh, <laughs> it's a hardcore place, but they make you know if you you can edit anything. Mm-hmm. It's like the seventh ring of hell. It's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> but you just get rained on constantly. Oh my God, the rain. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, Yeah, the weather changes like 57 times in 25 minutes. And, oh. you know, it's it's the fog. You can't see shit. And you got bears. Big, sure enough, big brownies, you know, around you. Like, not a, if I'm going to deal with them. Like, you're going to deal with this. Um, and they make it look so simple, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um no, actually, I think the Meat Eater crew did a pretty good job. Um, the, some of the guys have told some of the stories about it. It's a, I think it's a, 
they were very honest about it, and and I appreciated that about it. But some of the other things that I've seen on places like that, maybe not necessarily there, but I'm like, hey, I've been there, mm-hmm. and man, that wasn't a cakewalk. And this looks like, you know, for your outside guy that's a new hunter, he gets yeah. the wrong idea that like, oh, I can stroll in there and, you know, the elk are just coming in, jumping yeah, over yeah. the jumping top over of each other. Yeah. 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 Um, so my grandpa's story, he he hunted it back in the. Early '90s, before Fognac was even, or uh, or Edlin or Raspberry, any of that was really on the map. Period, and um, he said it was one of the most ex- miserable experiences of his life. And he didn't kill anything, and uh, and he got to deal with bears and all that. Yeah. What was crazy? His only protection he had up there, he had a thirty-eight. Ooh, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he. You didn't know you didn't have internet. You didn't have you yeah. know. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You guys have both been great guests, and I would have you on again anytime you wanted. Um, but I'm, 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 and 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 if you got any parting comments, I want to hear about them for sure. But I, I want to start to move towards wrapping up and making you guys dinner. So, oh, I like the sound of that, Matt. That sounds um, good. Uh, well, the the one article that I'm working on that precipitated my contact with Matt was, you know, in retrospect, all hunters you know, that have been hunting for many years. Um, and this doesn't, you know, apply to the new hunters, but there comes a time when you look back on your life of, as a hunter and you, you see the change. Yeah. There's a change that happens and you don't see it when it's happening, but you see it later in life. And you're like, man, that was one of the better days back then. And it was before social media and mm-hmm. it was before Onyx and, everybody having access to everything Mm -hmm. and there was secret spots back then and that's what i miss and that's like in retrospect i look back and i think of you know some of the years in montana back in the day and i'd love to get back to there but i don't think we can but you know it's time with the hunt quietly movement to maybe make a dent and to keep our public lands a little less crowded and to folks be out there for the right reason Amen. Hallelujah. All right, fellas, let's eat some supper.